Well, I am glad to be uh, standing and able to give the talk this Sunday. My name is Thad. For those of you who are new here, I had an ankle surgery four weeks ago, so I'm, I'm booting it. And I joked around with the worship team that I should fake Chris Farley trip onto the platform today and then maybe do like a roll over. But then we were like, well, what if I actually got hurt and then had to have surgery on like my skull or something? So decided that that would be funny but scary and potentially dangerous. So I'm leading by example. Use your brain. Is that abnormal for me? That's the only moment during this talk I'll actually do it. So uh, yeah, as Jaden mentioned on the video already, uh, we are on the second to last talk in our Romans series. We've been walking through the book of Romans and almost verse for verse covered everything. Um, and, and today is the final of the Think Love series, but it stands alone. Uh, we're in Romans 14 and just the beginning of Romans 15 today. And there's some interesting teaching in this portion that really is going to help us be better, really a better family, if you would, as followers of Jesus. Or maybe if you've known a follower of Jesus that is maybe a challenge to you that you just don't get, this might help you get them a little more and, uh, and, and on both sides be more gracious because uh, really this, this thing called following Jesus is a, a team effort and uh, on team it takes some work for us to be all in together. The title is Teamwork Makes the Dream Work and uh, the challenge ultimately for you today is to uncover the keys to being a great teammate. Specifically, how you can lead each other from a posture of acceptance, honor, and genuine desire to see each other succeed. Not always easy, but hopefully we catch Paul, the author's heart, in how we can do that. Now, before I go any farther, the Seahawks are playing right now. And this is a score-free zone. This is a zone in which we don't share the score. I know you're looking like you're on the app taking notes, some of you, but you're checking the score. That's okay. I would do it if I was in your seat. But uh, here's the deal. I'm personally DVRing the game. So don't, don't make me help you meet Jesus early today, right? Ed was joking around about coming up and praying and then giving a fake score away. I said, yeah, but I would hate to hobble up on the platform and push you off of it. So... Don't give away the score. Hopefully, they're scoring a little bit more than they did last week. Um, you know, the whole tie thing is confusing to people. And uh, not if you're into the Sounders and soccer. Playoff action going on tonight for the Sounders. And I want to see, do the Seahawks outscore the Sounders or do the Sounders outscore the Seahawks today? I don't know. I'm hoping the Seahawks outscore the Sounders. But it'd be great if the Sounders score as much as the Seahawks. It's possible. Three points at a time. Really, when I think about the Hawks, uh, they provide a great example for team. And there's some specific things that have jumped out to me this season. I don't know. It feels like we've experienced the injury bug a little more um, than normal the Seahawks have this year. And just looking at how the team course corrects for having to put maybe a second or third tier person into a role and how they encourage one another through that moment. Maybe the, 
the weaknesses of one compared to the strengths of another, and you put someone in with weaknesses, and how does the team rally around that moment and encourage that? And we've seen some huge team moments that are very, like, public and players freaking out on sidelines and then huddling around each other and jumping up and down like a bunch of high schoolers at the beginning of a game. You know, you're just like, what are they doing? You know, I thought they, they looked like they were going to kill each other or kiss one another, and now they're jumping. What is happening? You know, and you just watch this action happening on the sidelines, and, uh, and then you kind of hear the talk even afterwards. And I don't know, Russell Wilson drives some people crazy because it sounds like he memorized every self-help book there is and he can drop every one-liner. And for a while there, both Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, everybody was like, they've read too many self-help books. There's no way they're this positive. Like, this is not the real people, right? And then like one year after another, you realize, wait, they're really this positive. Like, they're really this optimistic about one another. How in the world is this possible? And then you watch them, and, you, and, and season after season, I mean, remember the game where, you know, Russell Wilson, every time he tried to throw to Curse, Curse dropped it, or it was intercepted. And so, you know, some people would like to forget that game in the room. But anyway, uh, you know, you just, you look at the reality that Russell Wilson will still go over and go, we're going to go out there, we're going to win this, and he's ultra positive even in the face of somebody's weakness. He sees every bit of their strength and calls it out of them. We're supposed to be that in the faith for one another. Like, ultimately, some people are like that that we know as followers of Jesus. And like, just like Russell Wilson, they might drive people crazy at first. You're like, no, there's no way you can really be that optimistic or that positive about people. But Paul here in our text today is going to absolutely challenge us to be that positive about each other. He's going to use words that we wrestle with in our culture, like acceptance, honor. He's going to pour into us the reality that we got to really call out the good in people and not wish bad on them. And unpack that here in just like a chapter and a couple verses. And our big idea, ultimately... Fits, right? We're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. And for the Seahawks, if you have the logo on your shirt, you're wearing the jersey, you're on the sidelines, that's obvious. You're on a team. And they're going to encourage one another. And it doesn't matter what down it is or who's hurt. If you're called to go in, you go in, you give it your all. But as followers of Jesus in a church, sometimes we find ourselves on the same mission, with the same passions, but we're, we somehow focus on the weaknesses of each other versus the strengths. And that's not what we're being called to do. We are family, we're all on the same team, and we're supposed to bring the best out of each other. Let's jump into the text. Romans 14, 1 through 6 says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience, that's a hard word for me to say, I don't know, conscience, there we go, uh, conscience, will eat only vegetables. Verse 3, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn? Someone else's servants. Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. 
And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Nothing new under the sun, right? We're still arguing about things we, we differ in perspective, in views with, and our first thought today is simple. Recognize the process. Recognize the process. Everyone on Jesus' team wants to give thanks to God. They want to praise the Lord. And instead of focusing on what we view differently or wishing the worst on somebody who thinks differently, well, they're going to fail. This text is showing us from the Bible, this is showing us to recognize the process and praise the progress in people. It's different, right? We don't want to wish bad on them because they think a little different or maybe they're a little more legalistic than us. We want to wish good on them and that they grow. We want to pour faith into their future. Paul was encouraging the seasoned follower of Jesus to not be too hard on their new teammates. They're new to this. Man, let's not be too hard on them. Let's let's help them come along. Some Christians saw nothing wrong in in eating meat, but in the day, the, the real issue in that time was you didn't know necessarily the meat you purchased, whether it was sacrificed to idols or not. And so when people were eating meat, they were worried that, man, you're going to eat something that was like sacrificed to some God other than yours. You can't do that anymore as a follower of Jesus. And they'd be like, but no, it's, it's no problem. I, I prayed over the meal. You know, and they're, but somebody's conscience would be weak and somebody's wouldn't. And so they had this issue involving meat. And uh, we don't necessarily have that issue anymore um, today. But it's not that relevant to us. But the reality is they were arguing over an issue, a simple issue. Instead of loving on one another and and encouraging one another in what they did have in common in their belief. Legalism has a way of making us think that we're strong and those who don't keep the rules are weak. That's not the case. They're just growing. It's real easy. I mean, there's a lot of harmful arguments we can have, but when you ask a few questions, you discover maybe the fallacy really quickly. So uh, I'll ask this question, and and it seems ridiculous, but I'm going to ask it because it will help you along. When was the last time you scolded a baby for not walking? Now, I could just say enough said and go on to the next point, but I'm going to unpack it a little, right? Think about that. We don't look at a baby and go, can't believe you don't walk. You're a human. You have legs and arms. Come on. But it's a baby. In fact, if you know parents, how many times have you uh, had, heard another parent say this with a little baby? 
they're just growing up too fast. Haven't you heard that? Or you'll be the parent saying, man, enjoy every minute. They grow up so fast, right? You're either on one side or the other of that scenario, and you want to keep them little. You want to just like put them in a freeze frame, and they're so stinking cute. But then, why do we say to somebody who makes a decision way outside of their normal world to follow Jesus, and then we instantly expect them to be running marathons in the faith? Makes absolutely no sense, does it? We're teammates. We're in this thing together. We should be encouraging one another to take the next step, to just to grow in their strengths and not focus on all the things that are weak in their life. Another question is, do you expect what you don't express? You can't expect what you don't express. You have to share and, and gently. You have to teach. You have to grow up, help coach one another and, and, and give hints towards growth and not just condemn and and drive down judgmentally because somebody has shortcomings. Or they might not even be aware of their shortcomings. One of my favorite moments in this kind of an instance is uh, when I was leading young adults as a volunteer in a church. And uh, I've told this story before. For those of you who have heard it, pretend it's the first time not or something. But the, uh, it, it was interesting because I was sharing the... Uh, the talk on this one Tuesday, and I decided to do what we would just call like an open mic night. And uh, this brand new person into following Jesus and coming to church got up and was going to share like his thanks to God for what he's done in his life. And he was just like, man, God is effing awesome. He's on the mic, right? I mean, I had so much in my life, and it's just like, F, he's just, he's effing taking it out. You know, he's just like, he's being so genuine and dropping every word you should never say on a mic in church. And it wasn't just then, it was in Sunday school. And, and I remember somebody, well-meaning probably, approach me and say, man, if so-and-so is going to continue to be in the young adults Sunday school class, I'm out because they're just too rough around the edges. And I said, bye. Right? Because isn't it for that person to grow and to, to help them see, like, man, God loves you so much. He's, he's going to take all those rough edges. He loves our mess. And I just, it was so funny to me. That guy grew up, uh, grew up, he was already grown up. But he, he went on to be a pastor. And probably an effing great pastor. <laughs> I'm guessing. And, uh. It's just crazy. Told you, I only think to not trip out here, and I don't think about other things that I say. At least I'm abbreviating the words. Okay, uh, so another question is, have you given others a chance to play? Have you given people a chance to play? What am I talking about? Well, we're talking about all being on the same team, and, and teamwork makes the dream work, right? Well, do you give young followers of Jesus, the opportunity to participate in the faith. I mean, I love when you, you know, I watch the Seahawks or whomever, and they, they put somebody on the field, and they're like, man, this is their first time catching a ball this season, and they score a touchdown, and you're just like, what? This is amazing. Um, 
I, I just, those moments are incredible. Well, they gave them a chance. And we need to give each other a chance, whatever that looks like. Maybe that's you taking a step back when you're with someone and, and, and you see that, man, they have an opportunity to share their faith here, but I have an opportunity because I maybe know a little bit more of how to share it, but just taking a step back and let them do it. Let them stumble through it. Or you know you could lead an event, but you're like, they could do it 85, 80% as good as me. Let them do it. Because they need reps. They need the experience in the faith to grow in their faith and make discoveries on their own. Help them get wins. With the Lord's help, Paul said, they will stand and receive approval. It's a faith-filled perspective that Paul is writing to the all these followers of Jesus, these seasoned followers. He's trying to help the seasoned followers stop judging the young followers. And he's like, with the Lord's help, they'll stand in approval. And I think sometimes we're easy to judge someone and dismiss their potential when really we should be fanning their potential into flame. It goes on in verse 7 to say, for we Don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose. To be Lord, both of the living and the dead. Thought number two, our lives honor God. Man, as a team, we should honor God. Our lives honor God. And I love the phrase here. And if you really want to live, right? If you want to live life to the full, which John 10.10 promises we're inheriting as followers of Jesus, then you need to live according to God's purpose for you in a way that honors the Lord. Live to honor God. Live aware of your opportunity to be one who just points honor to God. That's incredible. It's an incredible challenge. And from the beginning to the end of our lives, we have this chance to dedicate what we do to God for his glory, for his honor. We live for the one who got us on the team. It's because of our choice to follow Jesus that we're in a team together. And maybe you haven't made that choice yet, but... You're saying there's something about this team that I want to be a part of. And the thing that draws people in is that love, that honor, that heart for God. It's beautiful. Romans 14, verse 10 continues, says this, Why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Thought three, you are responsible for you. Now, we're going to give this context because you could go wild with this, and it would not be pretty, right? You are responsible 
for you. It says, each of us will give a personal account to God. We're all on the same team, but within the team, you have individual responsibilities, right? Know your role, if you will. The legalistic Christian finds it easy to judge other followers of Jesus, writing them off as unspiritual meat eaters in Paul's instance, right? They're, they're like, those meat eaters, well, we're vegetarians. We're not going to touch the red meat, right? And so we're not going to eat the things of idols and all this different stuff. The free Christians in this moment, they found it easy to show contempt against the legalistic Christians, regarding themselves as, man, we're more free than other Christians are free. Man, we have more liberties. And, and they thought, man, these uptight, legalistic, goody-two-shoes, you know, and you see all polarizing happening, right? Well, that's why Paul comes in. And he says, he says stop worrying about other followers of Jesus. You have enough to answer to Jesus for yourself, Decide instead to live in such a way that you'll cause another believer to follow Jesus and not to stumble and fall. You're responsible for you doesn't mean you just let things go. Well, freedom. It's just me and God, bro. No. It means your mindset must shift towards the impact of your life on others. You're now hyper aware of your impact on others and the opportunities you have with every decision to draw people closer to Jesus or be the one that maybe chases them farther away. How many people do you know that you've ever invited to come to you with church to church that have said no? And if you dug deeper, the reason they said no is because they know a Christian. Or maybe they've been to church. Great reason to say no. They had a bad experience with a person or a church, with a member of the team or the team, right? The reality is we have this great responsibility. You have to worry about your behaviors and their impact on others around you. Live in a way that doesn't prohibit your teammate from living to the full purpose God has intended for their life. How many times have we already read it here in Romans 14 that we're not supposed to be about condemnation? And it's a, it's a cliche, but it's true. God didn't send in his son when he sent his son Jesus to earth to take our sin upon himself to go to the cross as a sinless human being to die and raise again three days later to give us eternal life. He didn't do that as a condemner. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He's a savior. God didn't send a condemner. He sent a savior. Therefore, he didn't purpose for us to be condemners, but to be save yours, his ambassadors, if you will. Or maybe let's just put it in simple English. We should be more for people than we're against them. We've got to be those that are for others. We're brainstorming about series for next year. Spoiler alert, one of those series for me, I think, would be powerful if we could unpack what it means to truly be for our neighbor. For people. We need to be more known for what we're for versus against 
as followers of Jesus. And I think we've gotten off of that. And it hinders the whole team. I mean, Scripture, the Bible, is not intended to abuse other people. It's not to hammer over people's heads. It's great for instructing. You know, 2 Timothy 4.2, it tells us that we can even use it to course correct. But man, we're not supposed to use it to hurt people. That was never God's intent. It's supposed to be there so that we can point out life to people. Romans 14, 14 continues, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you'll please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. I mean, listen to last week's talk. <laughs> this is just this is like last week's talk, right? Harmony. Jaden walked back here and 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 struck a chord. You could hear three different notes and and they were in alignment with one another. So it sounded great. We need to live in harmony with one another. We need to build one another up. When you're on the same team, you must respect each other. And find the strengths in each other that you can respect. You're responsible for your level of respect and sacrifice for one another. And we're going to make sacrifices for the team. To live a life of goodness, peace, and joy. Exactly what Ed prayed. And I doubt he remembered that was in the talk today. When he came up here and prayed in between worship and the video, he was praying peace and joy and love. And I was cracking up because I'm like, that's in our text today. Holy Spirit working through him to affirm what Paul's trying to show us here. It's amazing. So we might stumble or cause our brother to fall in two ways. We can discourage or beat them down through legalism, right? Or we can do it by enticing them to sin through unwise use of our freedoms or liberties. Jesus was willing to give up his life for the sake of the others could follow him and find God. I can give up a steak dinner then. That's what Paul's challenging. He's like, man, there's a way here for us to live at peace with one another and allow people to experience Jesus. Romans 14, 20, 23 says, Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with that, with what you're doing, 
but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. We need to have convictions, right? I mean, this is challenging us. You're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. So Paul makes an obvious point here. Nothing's impure about food itself. About drink itself. Nothing. He likewise insists our, our role in this is just to think of others first that are around us so that we're not making them make a choice that would sin. Don't cross over your convictions. Don't make somebody else cross over their convictions, which could impact the whole team. Remember, you're responsible for you, but with a mindset for others. Finally, Romans 15, 1 through 7 kind of wraps it all up and helps us land on thought four. It says, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right, build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives us patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Final thought, accept others. When someone's new on the team, embrace them. Pour yourself into them. Encourage them. Accept them. There's a significant difference between accepting someone and approving of someone. Man, we're in a world that does not like the difference, though. Those two words. Our culture is has married these two words, and uh, they think, man, if you can't accept me if you don't approve of me. Now, we all know it's dangerous to let our identity be wrapped up in the approval of others. It's a miserable way of living. But the reality is I can accept someone and not approve of their actions. I can love someone and not approve of their actions. I don't love them less if I don't approve of some of the things that they do. But the key is that I'm not focused on the 5% of the things that I don't agree with, right? But I'm focused on the 95% that we do agree with. And rarely do we ever differ with anybody in more than 5% of a difference. Isn't that weird that we'll focus on the little, little differences? Again, that's what Paul's addressing. Hey, accept others. How in the world can we love God with all of our mind, our spirit, our strength, our soul, and love our neighbor as ourself if we don't accept others? We have to accept everyone. That's a challenge. I can love my whole neighbor even though I might not approve with their whole life. 
As one who is for others and loves my neighbor, I must accept others. That's just the end challenge. Well, how do I really walk this out? How do I practically then go from, okay, we're all on the same team. How do I make this like a reality for my life? The action point today, build each other up. Really, it is that simple. Build each other up. Our objective is to look to one another and realize we're on the same team. This team is called humanity. And we can build one another up. We can love one another. We can serve one another. We can invest in one another. We can benefit one another. We can focus on the positive. We can enjoy the process and progress in people's lives. That's what I'm going to pray over us today. I pray it'd be impossible for you to walk into a room and people say, well, they're not for me. You should be the ones that are so for people and they should sense it because you build them up. God, when we look at each other, we should see the same team. When we look at each other, we should see hope and opportunity and we should see a longing for others to succeed, for others to be approved by you, as Paul wrote here. That we would be not just people of peace, but we would truly be people that accept everyone just as you gave us leniency to accept us. You accepted us in such a way that you sent your son to take our sin upon himself, go to a cross, pay the ultimate penalty for sin, death on a cross, give his life for us, that we could put our faith in Jesus, become followers of Jesus, and not judge those who are young followers in Jesus or seasoned followers in Jesus, but just love one another into our full purpose and potential in you. So God, may we be tasked leaving this room today with the challenge of building one another up. Even as we share donuts here in just a few minutes, may our our conversations build one another up, find life-giving things in others that we can build up and call out and encourage. Help us to choose you. Help us to follow in your way. Maybe that's new for someone today and they just need to say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I choose to follow you and and start this relationship with you. And Let today be the day. Join the team. It's a life-giving team. It's full of purpose. Help us make our impact and mark on others as we accept them, as we're for them, and as we love our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you can reflect on what God's doing in your heart on your connection card, flip it over, jot a prayer request or response, or maybe you're on your app and you want to go back to the connect card and share really what Jesus is doing in your life. We want to celebrate with you. Worship team's going to kind of just give us a moment to reflect before uh, we close out today.